Well, welcome everyone to the Texas Values Radio Show. Happy Thursday. If you're listening live, happy whatever the day it is you happen to be listening or watching. I'm Jonathan Covey, filling in for Jonathan Signs this week. We have another special show lined up for you today with a very special guest. And I, I got to say, one of the most important topics that you may hear, certainly one that will be crucial in the upcoming Texas legislative session. But before we get to that, and just as a reminder to everyone here, uh, you can catch us every week on this station, KTXW 1120 The Bridge or 100.7 FM Word, or you can watch us on demand or on Facebook any day of the week. Also, if you just got to know anything we've talked about, you can find tons of great information on our website at txvalues.org, and you can stay up on breaking news and information through our text alerts by texting TXVALUES to 797979. Our guest today, and the Texas legislature is in, our guest today is Texas State Senator Bob Hall, retired Air Force captain, entrepreneur, pilot, and now servant of the people in the Texas Senate, where he's made a tremendous impact on so many policy issues, uh, including the electrical grid for the state of Texas. Uh, Senator, welcome to the Texas Values Program. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's, uh, it's good to be on here with you guys. I appreciate the work you do, and uh, it's an honor to be here today. Well, we, we just appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, and we know Texas legislature is back in session. Um, you guys were uh, in the in session in the Senate yesterday. I mean, um, this is just, um, are, are, you, are you happy to be back? Yes, it's, uh, this is what I got elected for. The, the one part of it, anyhow, is the legislative part. Uh, we do the constituent services on a continuing basis year-round, but uh, every two years uh, for 140 days, we gather here in Austin uh, to uh, to try to make Texas a better place for people, protecting liberty, protecting individual rights. Well, I know that's very important to you. Uh, where do we start on, on this issue? Because I want to talk about the uh, ban on gender modification for minors. L let's just go back to the root issue for a minute, because uh, this may be one of the most important things that the legislature has to deal with. And one thing is very clear, a, a child who believes that he or she have to alter their body in order to be comfortable um, is a child who's deeply hurting. The last thing we need to do is to come in and try to hurt that child even more. And when a child is, is struggling to accept his or her biological sex, there, a lot of transgender activists will send a message and say, hey, be yourself. In reality, it's a message that says, you know, change your body chemistry or change your body parts or change your appearance. And kids are not ready to make big life altering decisions like that. So just for starters, can you kind of take us through the cycle of how kids get sucked into this process and how they eventually get to the point where they're convinced uh, they need surgery to alter their body parts? Well, it's been a, it's an interesting thing, uh, Jonathan. Uh, this how we've gotten to where we are today. It's a combination of changes in our society as our society has moved away from God and has become more woke with some of the radical ideas that are out there. Uh, that is a step. Um, you know, the I would say one of the precursors to this was to destroy the. Um, the marriage of, a, of one man and one woman was pretty much a precursor to it. But then uh, we, we had an interesting combination of um, the uh, medical community recognizing an opportunity to make a lot of money. 
and stepping in to provide a service that really was not needed, not wanted, and should never have been brought about because what these kids have been going through is, is a natural phenomenon that many kids will go through. Uh, you know, when a child is born, when we, do, when we exit the womb, we are not complete. God has set us up in the process of becoming a, an adult uh, person, but we start out, uh, when we leave the womb, our bones are not finished, our, our organs are not finished, our size is not finished, uh, our brains are not developed, and our thought processes are just beginning to come together. And over time, uh, people develop, their bones get stiffer, their organs grow, they grow physically, they grow mentally, and they go through various adjustments uh, in it. And many of these kids, uh, when they are able to walk and talk and so on, go through what has been called dysphoria. That is, they get a little confused because they have no idea who they really are. They start out, they have no clue what a, what a male or a female is. Uh, they're, they're not sure what adult is even. But as they mature, uh, they start developing feelings about things. And for various reasons, kids will develop what is called dysphoria. They, they think they are the opposite sex of what they were born as. And sometimes this is encouraged by parents, and sometimes the parents are, are understand what is happening, and they, they are able to guide the, the child uh, along the way. But God has a plan. And in that plan, uh, just like the development of the bones, there are other parts of it that uh, that doesn't develop till they're about anywhere from 10 to 15 years old. It varies quite a bit, but it's called puberty. And most of these kids, the overwhelming, about 95% of them, by the time they get to puberty, they understand what their various body parts are for. Unfortunately, our society has, uh, as it uh, did a few years back when it became enamored with gay and lesbian uh, tendencies and folks and and brought that out as a as normal behavior um, something normal this was the next step but along with it we had the intervention of the hospitals and those who haven't seen it there's a great video out on the internet from Vanderbilt Hospital in which it was discovered or been proposed to the doctors out there that there was a new medical procedure that would be very profitable to the hospitals. This is the way the doctor presents it, a medical procedure that would be profitable to the hospitals and not only profitable in the initial surgery, but actually would create a patient for life. And hospitals picked up on this, just like they did in the COVID where they became profit oriented rather than service oriented uh, to folks and see this as a profit. So they have pushed it. And they have pushed uh, surgery on young girls and young boys, removing the breast of young girls. Uh, they call that the upper surgery, uh, restructuring the lower parts of girls and cutting the body parts off of boys uh, to accommodate their transition from their God-given sex to the sex that, they're, that, uh, that they think they want to be because they know that'll make a lot of money. So, Unfortunately, what we're finding out now is that those who do transition, that the suicide rate is extremely high. And most of these kids that get through puberty, figure out who they are, they go on to lead normal lives. I can remember growing up, uh, we, call, we call the boys like that, we call them sissies, and we call the girls tomboys. But the interesting thing was that time I got to high school, 
some of those sissies were some of the toughest football players I played against. And some of those Tom boys, some of the best looking cheerleaders uh, that we had out there. So they, you were figuring out who they really were. So you were, you were talking about um, talking about creating lifelong patients too. And you have these um, these hospitals and, and surgical centers. Once they have surgery, then um, then they need they need hormone therapy and and, and medication, um, and that creates a, a lifelong process as well. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. And and what they do to these bodies by by attaching an artificial penis to the girls by made from other body parts has its own problems and creating an artificial vagina in a boy of what they have to go through for that. Uh, and then as, as their psyche changes along the way and they realize what a mistake they have made, we have a huge number of these that actually transition back and they are left in a real mess because you can never really go back. They can change their lifestyle, but their bodies have been mutilated for life. And quite often this is done uh, for these young kids who really can't think that, I mean, we don't let teenagers get tattoos. We don't let them smoke cigarettes. We don't let them drink alcohol because we understand they are not mentally set to handle things like that. And yet we have the medical community that is encouraging and in some cases actually coercing these kids into these surgeries that are irreversible. If you take the breast off of a young girl and she can never be a mother, she can never nurse her child. So yeah, and, it, and it, it's it, incredible and because like, you know, you're talking about this and as we're thinking through this, like you can't even, kids can't even buy cough syrup over the counter, right? And yet we want them to make these kinds of, of decisions that have irreversible damage. So you you had um, you have a, a bill, you have a couple of bills that protect kids uh, who have no business making these decisions in the first place and from harming themselves from irreversible damage. Tell us a little bit about what you've got right now uh, in the in the ledge what you filed. Well, we actually we got we've got a couple of them recognizing there are a couple of aspects of this. One are the are the irresponsible doctors who will actually do this. And we saw irresponsible doctors during COVID, which refused to treat patients with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or budesonite. Uh, but this goes way beyond that kind of ir medical irresponsibility. These are doctors who will encourage these, these kids to have the surgeries and do it. And so we're gonna make this uh, the, uh, an offense in which they will lose their license if they uh, perform these surgeries. And then the other aspect of it is, is uh, for insurance protection. Doctors uh, uh, will not be allowed, their insurance companies will not be allowed to write insurance to cover these kinds of surgeries. Now, keep in mind that what we're talking about is protecting kids who are born normally male or female. There are the intersect kids. There are some, some issues there this bill will not affect them being able to get the treatments that they need to try to normalize their life. This will just stop the surgeries, stop the, the hormone drugs, which, which once started are, are irreparable. They, try, they cause irreparable damage once they've started. So the old argument, oh, well, let's just try the puberty blocker for a while and see how this works out. No, once you've done that, you have damaged that child for life and there is no turning back. 
So we're stopping the puberty blockers for those that are born no, as normal boy or a normal girl. Well, let me ask you this from a from a legal perspective too. Do you have you have you thought about or are you considering any kind of um, any kind of weaning off period, for example, where uh, folks have a have an opportunity to wean off these kinds of medications? Um, I'm wondering just from a, if you if you have more insight on this, just let me know. Just from a kind of a legal perspective, if you're more likely to, I mean, obviously this kind of legislation will probably get tied up in the courts at some point, but you're more likely to have a TRO or something put on this if you don't have that kind of a period uh, put in. What do you think? Yes, I think we'll have, there will be for those that are already caught into it, we will have a way for them to work their way out of it, but that will only, that will not fix their problem because the damage is already done to them, and uh, but we will we will have a a a a way out of it for them, just just like we will protect the, the process for those that are are born with with an abnormality, a physical abnormality. Right. So last session, um, you had a similar bill, I think, on this, correct? And uh, there were a number of other bills filed uh, last session as well, both on the House and the Senate side. Um, on the Senate side, y'all passed a bill. Um, through the Senate, and then he got stuck up in the House and died. Uh, what are your thoughts on on chances this time? Are you more optimistic this time around that we'll get something to the governor? Uh, yes, I, I am much more optimistic. The 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 backlash from that those bills not passing last time was tremendous, and uh, the our bill that did get through out of the Senate it was late in the session. It was not so late that it that it could not have passed, and that's where the backlash came. They said, "Oh, it was too late to really get through the system." Well, no, it wasn't. It just uh, it just it did. Uh, there was not the support over there, but I think there's a recognition with this being one of the top priorities in the Republican Party, uh, and I expect that uh, I'll be very surprised if this is not on our lieutenant governor's uh, uh, priority list for bills which mean it will get out of the Senate uh, much sooner. And so it will have time to get out of the House. Well, we would be very excited about that here at Texas yeah. Values. Um, let, me, let me talk about this because I know, you know, we have during the session committee hearings come up and these bills go to committee hearing and you have a lot of testimony on, uh, on both sides of the issue. Um, but for the folks who are, who are who are coming up and they're testifying to protect children to ban these types of, of procedures and treatments, how do they? How do you handle the arguments from the other side? You know, when they claim that you're forcing kids into suicide, things like that, by not allowing them to transition. The, the data doesn't support that. It does not support that. Yes, this kids that have emotional problems of any kind or do have a suicide risk associated with them. But the data shows that those who do the physical transition have a much, much higher suicide rate than those who don't transition, but they go on to live a, a life as, as gay or lesbian. Uh, their suicide rate is not nearly as high as what it is if they actually do the transition. Yep. And so that's, I mean, it's, uh, it's the data, it's the facts. You got to rely on the science and the facts. Right. A lot of a lot of folks on the other side, you know, you hear them claim things like um, treatments with cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers are 
are reversible. Is that is that true? That doesn't sound right. No, no responsible doctor that's actually do, treat, using good good medical uh, sense says that. Uh, the doctors recognize that this is that this is irreversible. It starts changing uh, the body that cannot be reversed. And so, no, there's there is there that that is a misnomer that is put that has been put out there by those doctors who want to profit from these expensive uh, drugs and from the, eventually from the surgery. It's it's money driven. It's not science. It's not medical. There is no medical or science behind cutting healthy body parts off of young kids. Yeah, I think there are even some. Um... There are even some studies, a lot of uh, more extensive studies coming out of Europe, correct, that that say uh, the same thing, that this is not science driven and, and that that kids are, um, you know, 80 to 90 percent likely to resolve their gender dysphoria if they're left alone, which begs the question. It's like if, if we have something that resolves itself 80 to 90 percent of the time, why are we putting all this effort into trying to solve something like this? Um, if you're just joining us, we're, we're talking with Senator Bob Hall, uh, author of legislation to protect children from harmful gender modification procedures in Texas. And just as a reminder, if you find value in the work that we're doing, uh, consider going to our website at txvalues.org, making a donation. None of the work we do can be possible, including this radio show, without your support and without supporters like you who faithfully give to us and, and keep us going throughout. Um, Senator, thank you for, for uh, visiting with us about this. Um, I want to I've got a couple more questions for you. One is, um, you know, you've heard nationally, I'm sure you've kept up nationally with some of the issues on this on this particular uh, issue. And you've heard about what they did in California with SB 107, where Governor Newsom, he he signed um, a bill that literally allows California courts to take emergency jurisdiction of children uh, from other states. Uh, for the purpose of pr providing them gender transitions on those, he's calling it a sanctuary, <laughs> a sanctuary city bill, basically. Um, and it's a move of arrogance. It's unprecedented in modern history um, and probably I would anticipate likely move uh, in preparation for him to run for president. But mo most definitely it's a, a threat to every state boundary line, including Texas. What can we do uh, in Texas to protect ourselves from this type of thing? Well, that's uh, unfortunate. We're faced with that right now with uh, with the abortion, uh, prohibiting abortions here in Texas, which doesn't stop someone from going to another state to get an abortion. And you're going to have the same thing here for someone that goes to another state uh, and and does something that while it's illegal in Texas, it's not illegal in that state. We really have no jurisdiction over it. And so that's the sovereignty of the state. Uh, it's it's part of the fundamentals of of our our governmental structure uh, here in the, in America that they, we maintain state sovereignty, and so our laws are not the same as what are in other states, and and we just don't have any control over that. That's going to be up to the people of those states to to either allow that kind of barbaric butchery and uh, in their society, and if they do that. Uh, that's up to them. Yeah, what we can do in this state, I guess, is to uh, make sure that we protect children and we're a sanctuary for children being uh, being safe here and helping them, not harming them. Um, you know, transgender advocates like to they like to quote um, 
a lot. The, the U.S. Supreme Court had a decision back in 2020. That was the Bostock decision. Um, can you unravel this a little bit for us and tell us you know, why they think that helps them and, and how they're wrong about that? Well, I just think it was a wrong decision. It's, it's not one I've studied a lot, but uh, our Supreme Court has gotten it wrong before on, a, on issues. Uh, and uh, this is another one where they, they got it wrong, and I don't think it really applies here at all. I think it's interesting because you saw the Supreme Court when they were dealing with this, it was the case with uh, Gerald Bostock and, um, and he was, he was uh, dressing like a, a woman uh, as he was working at a funeral home for an employer. And, um, and basically the Supreme Court was dealing then with, um, they were dealing with Title VII, which, was, which has to do with employment discrimination. But a lot of, lot of transgender advocates, when they come uh, and testify on this issue, they're, they're talking about Title IX, which is a totally different title in federal code. And, um, and it just seems like that they're misinterpreting and they are misinterpreting um, the US Supreme Court. Of course, Justice Gorsuch said in that case that he was not, he was not extending his decision to, to gender identity or, or things like this. And so um, anyway, just very, very interesting that the US Supreme Court even anticipated that people would mis misinterpret this and they have. Um, Senator Hall, anything else that you'd like to add here for our supporters uh, on this issue or any other issue that you're working on? Uh, no, I think we pretty well covered it. Uh, you know, Texas likes to lead in things, but I'll tell you this, we'll certainly, we are certainly not leading the nation in this. I think we've already got about more than a dozen states that have stepped in and, and made this horrific uh, barbaric procedure illegal. And so we're kind of falling in line with others that got there ahead of us. We should have done this uh, last session, but, uh, but as we talked about, it didn't quite happen. It's overdue. We owe it to the kids out there to protect them uh, from the, the, the woke wokeness that has crept into our society. We need to allow them to mature where they, once they get 18, if that's, if they want to make that decision for themselves, once they have matured to the point of 18, and uh, that's the current age, I'm not sure, maybe we might need to raise that to 20 or 25, considering that uh, it's generally accepted that uh, children are not maturing as fast as they used to, uh, but right now it's 18, that's their decision, but uh, under 18, like we protect them from other things, I think we need to this is, this is what we owe the kids for their protection. It's time for Texas to take leadership on this issue. Senator Hall, thank you for joining us, sir. It's always great to have you on the program. I hope you have a great rest of your day, sir. We, we will, and Jonathan, thank you. I appreciate Texas values. All the good work you do uh, is much appreciated, and God bless you for bringing this subject up today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you joining us. Have a blessed day. Bye now. You know, at, at Texas Values, our our vision, um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and let Senator Hall drop off as he's got other things to do, but at Texas Values, our vision is that every child would get to experience being seen, being loved, being cared for as a whole person, that they wouldn't be reduced by the way that they feel about their body. We firmly believe that in the process of being loved and, and seen wholly, people began to live uh, more holy as well. 
Um, so to that end, we believe that children should get the help that they need when they find themselves wishing they had a different body. Thankfully, we know the vast majority of children, as Senator Hall talked about, 80 to 95 percent who are currently struggling with coming to reconcile with their with their sex by adulthood, uh, if they aren't aren't uh, pushed to transition, they reconcile. And especially for those who are struggling uh, the most because of dysphoria or because of some other kind of underlying mental health or, or, or psychosocial health challenge, we believe that counseling to work through these uh, challenges should absolutely be encouraged for these kids. There was, in 2021, Arkansas became actually the first state to legally protect minors from harmful gender transition procedures, including puberty blockers, including cross-sex hormones, including um, mutilating surgeries. Tennessee also passed a version of this, and Senator Hall was talking about last uh, uh, a year and a half ago, Tennessee passed these protections as well. It is time for Texas to follow suit. Our vision is that this kind of dangerous in intervention would become just unthinkable across the United States. And at the same time, uh, that hurting children and, and their parents uh, would be able to receive real help and, and real counseling to help them as they live as healthy and whole people. This is, this is modern science. And modern science shows that our sexual orientation, or our, I'm sorry, our sexual organization begins with our DNA and our development in the womb, and that sex differences, they manifest themselves in many, many, many bodily systems, many bodily organs, all the way down even to the molecular level. In other words, our physical organization for one or uh, of two functions in reproduction, it shapes us organically from the very beginning of life at every level of our being. And that's why it's so important on this issue. We have all the scientific evidence. Uh, we have philosophical view. And only if we can, uh, if we can uh, be guided by norms of reality will we ever be able to protect kids from harm and move the ball in the right direction on this issue. Well, we are coming to the end of our show, but we want to thank our faithful listeners and supporters and say, again, if you find value in the work that we're doing, you can make a donation by going to our website at txvalues.org. And we're also looking for interns and uh, in, our, in our Austin office. So if you know someone who might be interested in interning for us, they can send us an email at info at txvalues.org. A couple of dates I want to remind you of, actually one date mainly I want to remind you of, which is March 13th. We're going to be having our Faith and Family Day where uh, we, we get to talk to legislators at the Capitol. We, talk, we have um, legislators come over and give you an overview of what's, what's going to be happening at the Capitol and how to discuss it, how to debate it. You don't want to miss this March 13th here in Austin. And if, for more information on that, you can get uh, you can go to txvalues.org on our website. We'll be posting more information uh, as in the coming few days on this as well. As always, if you want more information, uh, we have a number of websites set up. TXValues.org is our flagship one. Remember, government belongs to those who show up. Here at Texas Values, we are dedicated to being your voice in government, to being your boots on the ground for conservative and social issues, and to being the leading group in Texas for faith, family, and freedom. We want to thank you for listening today, and we'll see you again here next week on the Texas Values Report.